And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and the knowledge thereof in order for you to continue your evolutionary process, to fulfill your dreams, live out your purpose, and uh, help all of us to live uh, a, a life of thriving instead of uh, surviving. Uh, I like to say that uh, we want to move from thrival to, to from survival to thrival, from survival to thrival. And I hope that you're, we're all kind of along along the same lines there as we listen to these programs. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times, as well as having the podcasts available to you at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a bunch of other locations. We thank those who have uh, disseminated our website, uh, our, our podcast, I should say, uh, because... Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's we want to get the word out. We really do let people know what's going on and help them to uh, make uh, better de- informed decisions. Our guest today is going to help us to do that and talk about some interesting things as well. And uh, she's a returning guest to our program as well. Uh, but before we get to her, I want to remind you of the fact that we are um, providing these programs, these podcasts. I call them broadcast podcasts. Because they are both on radio as well as on the Internet. And if you like what you hear, you like what we're doing, please drop us a line as far as email at TMYS. That's for Tell Me Your Story. TMYS at RichardDugan.com. And if you can financially support us, help us in any way, shape, or form, we greatly appreciate it. We do have links to a PayPal and Patreon account. And uh, we'll take whatever amount you are uh, willing to share with us. Uh, I understand how difficult things are right now, but nothing is impossible. I want you to remember that because that is, in essence, that is the conversation we are going to have today with our guest. And we're going to talk with her about uh, the work that she does as well as the work that you're doing. Holly Bargo. We're going to talk about possibilities. You are an author in your own right. And so for those who are listening, maybe for the first time to this particular interview, tell us a little bit about your uh, your writing career as far as uh, what people can uh, search for over on henhousepublishing.com. Okay. My writing career is mainly corporate. Um, I started off writing proposals uh, for an architectural engineering firm. And um, graduated to brochures, basically, and other things, uh, catalogs, what have you, newsletters. I still do a lot of newsletters. Um, but uh, fiction was, uh, fiction was my, my first love. I wrote stories when I was a child and continued through high school, college, and afterwards. And um, still writing stories. So... I went freelance at uh, the end of 2015, early 2016, and, um, you know, the freelance work actually does include some fiction. People have me ghostwrite for them, Uh, but I do write and publish my own fiction. So, So tell us about that type of fiction. I think that there would be those who would be quite interested in what you have to offer them, especially uh, at this time when many of us are... We're basically sequestered okay. in and around our homes, and, you know, it would be nice to escape. 
Yeah. Well, you know, one one of the themes that's on that's that's on my website is escape with us, and uh, you know, <laughs> works right in there, doesn't it? Did you know this was coming and wrote that book intentionally? <laughs> you psychic, you <laughs> psychic or psychotic? <laughs> okay, whichever you. <laughs> Tell us about uh, escape. Okay, well, escape with us. It's it's a theme on my website, you know, and it's it's um, you know in one of its various iterations. Um, but uh, I I write I write stories, I write fiction, the stuff that you can just you know you you open the page, you open the covers, read the page, and just escape into another world. Whether that other world it happens to be the here and now, but with you know someone else. Or whether it happens to be in another dimension entirely, you know, it's just you know, I everything from fairy tales to westerns, you know. <laughs> so let's talk about this aspect. We we actually discussed this uh, at the end of our interview last year, last time, uh-huh. uh, about possibilities. Yep. One of the things that has in, intrigued me as well as frustrated me. And it, it goes back way back, but but the best example that I can uh, tell you is the 2016 presidential campaign. I'm not going to pick on anyone specifically, but the theme from my perspective of that mm-hmm. campaign was victimhood. It's everybody oh, yeah. else's fault that we have the problems that I see we have. Didn't matter who was talking. And now we're hearing it again. With this this situation that we've got with this particular uh, virus that's that's uh, transcending the globe, if you will, uh-huh. and many people, you know, they, they I, I can't believe it. We're not as our conversation can, uh, goes on here today. We haven't even reached the peak in the United States, as they call it, the top mm-hmm. of the bell curve, I guess. Uh, and blaming has already begun, and it's oh, like, yeah. are I've, I've you seen it. it's, kidding? It's nuts. Yeah. It, yeah, it's ludicrous. But the um, reality is, and you're seeing it all over this country as well as around the world, people are finding ways of doing stuff, aren't they? So there yeah. are possibilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for instance, you know, one, um, it just happened today in my neighborhood. Now, what, what you have to take into account here is I live on a farm. This is a very rural neighborhood. And one of the neighbors um, is uh, friends with someone who operates a food truck. Now, I live in a place where there is no such thing as delivery. <laughs> oh, man. We don't, okay, you don't get pizza delivery out here. It doesn't happen. That's just rude. Um, <laughs> well, you know. I but know. yeah, he's he's uh this 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 person has you know a friend who operates a food truck you know in the county seat. And she said, hey, would you be willing to come out here Friday evening, you know, and if I can drum up enough interest from the neighbors? Um, so she sent out a message throughout the neighborhood network, and everyone's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So, and it's happening. Yeah. So, it's, it's it, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we're, we're going to get a uh, an opportunity because food trucks don't come out here. Yeah. You know? Well, we can't get pizza delivery. You think a food truck's going to come? Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that uh, if you don't get pizza delivery, you can make your own, and it's going to be a heck of a lot better because you're going to have fresh ingredients off that farm. Uh, well, I 
I don't, I don't raise that kind of, kind of oh, stuff. Well, in any event, in any event, um, I'm sure you've got neighbors that would assist in, <laughs> in the process. <laughs> Let me ask you uh, on this other level too, uh, because the accusations are starting to fly far and wide. Uh, I even heard speculation that there was a particular group, the climate changers, as they are called, uh-huh. who are basically very happy that this is happening globally. Uh, because This is the accusation. Because what they want is a one-world government. They want to undermine and destroy capitalism. and all. I mean, it's like, could you think of a bigger conspiracy theory than that, that this small group of people... Uh, are are trying to to enact. I just find it so interesting. Once again, uh, you know, I sit here and my best, my only observation and perspective on this is, well, why is it their fault? Uh, why didn't you get out the people that you wanted to vote? Why aren't you out there speaking out on the street corner? Why aren't you doing all the things that they are doing, whoever they are, uh, to get your agenda passed? I just find that fascinating that it's just constant victimhood. And it's like enough already. We, you and I, Holly, we have to find ways of living that are different. And this situation that we're in has created, and this is the wonderful word that has come up, incredible opportunities, opportunities. Um. What, how do you, when you come up against a challenge, let's say, how do you evaluate what opportunities are available? And this is even before this virus began, it's, uh, it's uh, 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 worldwide travel. Well, um, I mean, this, it, it, I start with, I usually start with a, with, with a meltdown, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's okay. Honestly, you know, that really is okay. You know, just, you know, kind of start with, you know, either a mental or emotional meltdown. And then when I've calmed down and maybe had a few adult beverages, um, okay. I, you know, I, I, I can start to think, you know, just take a step back and think and, um, you know, kind of go from there. What, what can I do myself? And what, do I need others to do for me? And mm-hmm. that it's kind of break it down that way. Um, you know, and it's, it's like, uh, you know, just not give you another reference. Um, I have, I have a horse. I got her in 2018 and she came with a story and, uh, I thought I could handle her, you know, and I was wrong. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I found a trainer and that didn't work out. I found another trainer and that didn't work out. And I found a third trainer and, you know, sounded really good. That third time is the charm. And she was in training for the next, I don't know, six, eight months. Mm. And, uh, well, that was an expensive lesson to learn because that didn't work out. And I was just incredibly frustrated really, really frustrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like, well, what do I do? What do I do with, you know, this, you know, this horse that has, you know, this horse has got my number and, you know, so it's like, okay, opportunities, what opportunities do I have with this horse? 
Um, I could sell her, the market's down, you know, and what I would get for her is nowhere near what I had invested in her. Or I could try again. I can't, you know, I don't have the skill to train a horse, not, not, not to the finesse I need by any means. Um, so I finally, you know, so someone, I said, well, may, you know, I can't get the price I want for, you know, to at least, you know, try to recoup enough money that I could purchase another horse that would suit me better. I'm not looking, you know, I wasn't looking to gain the full amount that I invested in her, but maybe, you know, just enough to, you know, I could find a horse that would suit me better. And that wasn't working. So what other, uh, what, what other opportunity is there? Okay. Maybe I can do a swap, find someone who's willing to swap their, you know, whatever that's well-trained season sane. And then I can, you know, that, that I can ride for my wild child. <laughs> and, uh, I was contacted by a couple of people. Um, one of them just one of them fell through, but the other one, I liked her attitude and I approached her and I said, would you be willing to train? And she said, yes. Mm. So it, you know, that, that was, that was something that it turned out, um, it, it turned out into, you know, not the opportunity I was looking for, but the possible solution that I wanted. So I put that horse into training with her and she's, she did wonders with that horse. Um, horse is back now and we had scheduled to send her back into, to the same trainer this spring, depending on how this, you know, whole pandemic works out. We'll see when that happens. But, um, you know, this, this one, this, this, this has been, this has been one of those deals where, you know, that the opportunities seem really slim, but sometimes they just kind of fall in your lap mm -hmm. because, you know, you were looking at a different angle and then you took it and twisted it a little bit more. Hmm. Well, I know that, that when I have been faced with some big challenges and it's interesting, the past challenges seem more challenging than the present ones. And maybe it's because I'm more in tune with my intuition. And I am I am not feeling the fear and the anxiety. Now, as far as um, concern, certainly for my wife, who is in that age group that is at risk, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just on the other side, I'm on this side of the line, uh, I'm not quite 60 yet. Uh, nonetheless, um, when my wife and I, for example, uh, 14 years ago, lost our jobs in Phoenix, um, I didn't have any fear. It wasn't so much, ah, we'll find other jobs. Um, we did have a little bit of a nest egg, so that helped. But there was something inside me that said there's something more for us. Well, it was Santa Barbara. And boom, 14 years later, here we are. Well, I feel the same way now under these circumstances that, the old ways of doing things, which I've been promoting for, well, for 14 years or more since I've been doing this program, um, they're coming. The new ways of living. I mean, actually, they're here. <laughs> 
And I'm I'm actually very excited about the prospects, but not fearful about, oh, my gosh, you know, okay, I can get two or three months rent free uh, for a period of time and then work with my landlord and blah, blah, blah. And my creditors uh, work with them and blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the government has passed these new, law, new laws, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here thinking, no, wait a minute. All that aside, I have responsibilities. I made commitments. That's still part of the new way of living is respons- taking responsibility, isn't it? Absolutely. You're never going to get away from that. And we're 100% responsible. Um, I also remember my wife asking me, no, it wasn't her. It was somebody else who asked me, um, what... Uh, what do you think the, the fundamentalist evangelical Christians are saying today? And, of course, they were basing that on what happened when we had the AIDS crisis back in the early 80s and in through the 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd watched the development of the message from Christendom over the last three or four decades. I don't think there's, uh, un- unless they're hardcore um, hill, uh, uh, fire and brimstone ministers, I don't think there's anybody saying this is God's judgment. Well, if you're going to take that tack, it's God's judgment on all of us for not taking care of and being good stewards of the planet that he gave us to live on, on the home that we're living. I don't believe that it is God's judgment. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm curious. I, I, I have a guest who's coming on in a few weeks and we're going to talk about this, but I would like to get your perspective and I'm not sure how spiritual or metaphysical you are, but the question that I pose to this new guest that's coming up that I would like to pose to you is, what do you think the spiritual or metaphysical message is with this virus? What is it that we as spiritual beings have conjured up here? What, what, what's, what are we trying to teach ourselves and learn as a society? You know, I don't, I don't know that... This virus has a spiritual or metaphysical uh, meaning to it. I don't think it was, you know, I, I don't, you know, I agree. With you. It's not, it's not God's judgment. You know, is this is, you know, I, I, I oftentimes get, get the, uh, I guess, idea that, uh, you know, billions and billions of years ago, however that was, you know, uh, God got the ball rolling and then he stood back and watched. And every now and then he kind of meddles a little bit, you know, to kind of you know nudge things in a certain way. Um, but you know, calling this God's judgment really does sort of, I guess, abrogate the whole idea of free will. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. Um... And that's something else that's rather interesting. Again, it, to me, it just completely um, eradicates uh, the the whole aspect of um, of free will. And I know that a lot of people are ha- are struggling with this concept. They're they're having a real hard time with what's happening. And you know, wh- why why is this happening to us? Again, once again, victimhood. But there's so many great opportunities available to us. Um, for those of us who are well, you are doing well and healthy. I and my wife are both uh, well and healthy. She was actually furloughed from her job for eight weeks, 
which being in the age group that she in is in, to me, that's the company's idea of keeping her safe. Yeah. Now, she feels like she's in jail, <laughs> and I get that, you know, but uh, we still take drives out to the valley where there are fewer people, and we keep our distance and so forth. But it's just amazing to me that um, th- this is this is where we are today. Talk to talk to us. You know, you live in the rural part of your uh, area there. Uh, what state are you mm-hmm. in? May I ask? I'm in Ohio. You're in Ohio. Um, so you're in the rural areas. I would think that you're pretty darn safe, no matter what's going around, because you don't have as much, nearly as much contact with other people. Um, but yet, at the same time. Don't you miss that? Don't you miss the contact with other human beings? It seems to me that that's going to start to play uh, on us a little bit. That oh yeah, I miss oh, yeah. the physical I'm... contact with and so forth. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm 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 very introverted by nature, and you know, the life I've led has taught me that introversion is uh, is a good thing. So. You know, I work at home. I work alone at home, um, unless you count the four-legged critters who would like to assist or supervise. And I like it. <laughs> but I do have, you know, a, a, I do have a small circle of friends. And I miss, you know, going out to lunch, you know, once every week or two. I miss I miss seeing them. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's even even those diehard introverts like me are starting to feel the a bit of i guess strain or isolation because there's no one around um my husband and i have been married for over 30 years and you know it's we we get on each other's nerves Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) and you know and but once again you know it's it's human nature to adapt and that's that's what we're doing. We're adapting, but I also think it's human nature to forget. And you know, this time next year, all this will be little more than a memory. I don't know how much of the, you know, self-imposed isolation we're going through is going to stick. I don't think a whole lot of it will, uh, because people are social animals, and we need. And e- even even like I said, even diehard introverts like me, we need other people. Yeah, you know, we need that contact. We need to talk to people. We need to see them face to face. We need human touch, um, because as much as I like cuddling with a cat, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. No. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's interesting that you you bring that up because we have five cats, and we have one big 110, 120 pound uh, king shepherd named Angus. I got you beat. Uh oh. How heavy? How big is yours? Um, I have six cats and a 150-pound Great Dane. Oh! Well, we also have four chickens. Five, seven chickens. Seven chickens. I don't do chickens. Okay. I don't do chickens. Well, we, <laughs> we get the fresh eggs, and we do share those with other folks as well. Um, and the, we are always grateful to the girls. That's what we call them, our girls, for mm-hmm. uh, sharing their, their wherewithal, if you will, with us. Uh, it's, it's much appreciated. Um, and... You know, we're not doing that much different 
than other than my wife staying home than we were before the 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 lockdowns, the self-imposed uh, quarantining, the um, and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is that we need that connection, that companionship, that contact. And I miss uh, being able to not just shake hands with people, but also then draw them in for a hug if if we're uh, good friends or, or acquaintances, what have you. Um, we are social beings, not social media beings, but social beings. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. Cu- I'm curious as to how social media or online connections are uh, helping you to meet that need uh, in terms of uh, that particular possibility. Is it even, does it even come close? Um, no, it, it, it doesn't. I'm not, I'm not a dedicated social media uh, aficionado at all. Um, you know, I, I find it, I find it useful, but it's, you know, of course, you know, you know, I, I, I live for decades without it. So I, it doesn't seem really essential to me as a, as a social outlet. Okay. Um, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, a quick keep in touch type of thing without, you know, dialing, you know, and, you know, letting my fingers do the walking, <laughs> which dates me, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Um, I, uh, you know, I talked to my mother the other night and, um, I called her and she was uh, playing cards with friends. Okay. And, um, you know, she's, she's, uh, my mother turns 80 this year. Wow. She's living in a retirement community. Okay. And, um, you know, they're, they're on, you know, the state's on lockdown. She lives, she's in South Carolina. And, um, so she said, she said, she said, uh, you know, we're outside. We're seated around, you know, we're seated around a table outside. The sun is shining, you know, there's a nice breeze. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations to her. Uh, You know, obviously we're hoping that people uh, are are heeding the advice. That's what it really is right now of keeping their distance. Um, And yet, boy, I tell you what, it at the first few days were difficult from that standpoint, because you always wanted to reach your hand out, you know, and, um, and, and it's just really very interesting. I know too, that people who are losing their jobs, some of her, like my wife being furloughed, some people are being laid off. And, and you'd like to think that when this is over or as we get to the other side, the downhill slide, that people gradually will be brought back to the jobs that they had. Uh, to produce the products and services and uh, you know will but I still think that there's got to be a new attitude uh, in that regard um, your thoughts on this being the time for people to start to research both externally but also internally as we are here in as I've dubbed it 2020 the year of perfect vision and we're talking intervision people searching for their life's purpose what gives meaning to their life rather than going back to that job they were laid off that really it was just a paycheck nine to five Monday through Friday? Well, what, what gives people purpose, I think, is, um, you know, as opposed to the nine to five, I think they're going to come back to um, what do I need? Ah, uh, 
it's it's not it's not going to be so much you know get get the best job at the best salary then you know and let the soul sucking office you know kill you um people are learning to live with less you know yeah. the 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 new car or you know the the new gadget is not going to be as as important as it was so well now there's that. <laughs> and there, you know, there. Yeah, I, but you have to you have to i mean we we got we get a taste of it you know in 2007 2008 and you know a few years after that because in some places um you know the great recession never really ended and so you know they got they got a taste of that you know during during you know the the the, the economic collapse there mm-hmm. uh, you know you you kind of retract you contract and you reevaluate what's important. Well, there are those who, for some reason, think that toilet paper is important. <laughs> it is important. <laughs> and I find it, I find it fascinating. Well, it is. It is. <laughs> but it's like, that much? I mean, come on. What about, I, I, and, and this was a question that I raised to a candidate who is running for state assembly here in yeah. California. I asked this question because he's very much an individualist. He very much believes in you know, individual liberty and freedom and all of those, those aspects of being an individual, right? Uh-huh. Well, I said uh, there's also uh, something in one of our uh, doc- founding documents that talks about um, uh, promoting the general welfare, and securing the liberty, securing blah, blah, blah. And I say, so how do you balance between your right to do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, no matter what condition you're in, because you have freedom and liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and promoting the general welfare, taking care of the community by self-quarantining, sequestering, whatever you want to call it, uh, covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze, even if there is no virus, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think that maybe people are starting to get the message that they are not alone in this world <laughs> and that there are other people who are affected by their actions. Uh, your thoughts? I, yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if it, it comes down to um, what what doctors have to swear to in the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. It's an interesting adage, too, that the doctors uh, uh, commit to, uh, uh, to do no harm. Yeah. And it's if from what little, and I do mean minuscule, you know, bits, you know, that I've read about, uh, you know, Wicca, you know, and it harm none. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's, you know, you can, you know, do what you want, when you want, how you want, where you want, but don't harm anybody. And yet the reality is that that also includes self. Don't harm self. Right. You know, and it, it, it does. It does include that. Yeah. Because so, each one of us is important to the yeah. whole. Well, I remember, I remember when, uh, when my oldest, when my oldest son was, uh, was an altar boy. And uh, we had, we had, you know, winter weather come through, and I called the, 
I, I called the church, you know, talked to Father, and I said, you know, we're not going to make it to church this morning. And he said, you know, and he basically said, I understand. He says, and, you know, that is a good interpretation of, you know, the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. Going out on the roads would have been, you know, stupidly risky. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, don't kill yourself trying to get here. <laughs> you know, so no, that's that's very interesting that you would take that perspective. That's, uh, you know, I applaud you for that because a lot well, of people wouldn't that, think he that. He took that perspective and it really surprised me. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was the priest. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, uh, with you know, the, the lockdowns we have, um, you know, churches are closed and um, our current parish priest, you know, sends out this, you know, telephone this recorded telephone message to all the parishioners and one of it was again you know stay at home you know observe the you know the social isolation that's going on because thou shalt not kill yeah yeah your individual rights are in one sense tempered if you will by your not only your responsibility to your community, but also even to that commandment, uh, and 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 even the commandment uh, uh, of Jesus to love one another. You know the law of love, as they say from the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It encompasses all of that. Are you really being loving by going out and standing in a line, waiting to get into a grocery store? To buy toilet paper. Um, you know, how safe are you really? How can you be sure that the person in front of you and behind you aren't carriers? How can you be 100% certain that you're not a carrier? Well, you can't. But, you know, what, what I'd also like to bring up is, you know, you, you can't. You know, li- life is not safe. Right. That's true. Life, That's true. Life is not, there's, you know, life is not safe. You can't be sure. Um, you know, when... Uh, when, when the coronavirus, you know, was first, you know, when the hysteria first started, I was like, this is, this is, this is nuts. This is insane. Uh, went to the CDC's website because I was doing an article on something else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, happened to look at uh, the influenza numbers. And people, you know, you, you heard people going absolutely crazy because, you know, a few hundred people had died of the coronavirus looking at the influenza numbers, and that was worldwide. A few hundred people worldwide died of the coronavirus at that time. Looking, like I said, look at, looking at just regular seasonal influenza, uh, the CDC estimated up to 55,000 people had passed away of just the seasonal flu in the USA. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, okay, and, and I was like, okay, this doesn't even compare to just the flu. Right. So, you know, you're going out. If you go out, yeah, sure, someone sneezes. Is it coronavirus or is it just the flu, which is probably deadlier? You know? it, it was, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know that this is quite so overblown anymore. I have a sister in law who was a nurse and um, she says that the situation in hospitals is, is, is just, you know, appalling simply because of the influx of, of patients who come in and they, and they stay. 
because they can't leave because this thing is so, you know, awful when it really hits hard. Yeah. Well, but again, uh, yeah, and I'm, know, I'm, I'm yeah, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing things too that I don't think are verified. Uh, that here in California, for example, uh, everybody's, everybody seems to be more concerned about the economy than they are about the human beings who are infected by this virus. And you'll hear people say that we should, uh, why don't we try social distancing while at work? Well, there are some jobs that you can't do that with. It's not possible to stay six feet away from everybody all the time while you're working in a restaurant or other, nope. other types of occupations. Then nope. I heard this stated that, oh, the emergency rooms here in California, uh, they're hardly, they're almost empty. And I'm going, seriously? You know, and then the other aspect of it, too, is we were given the advice to social distance, right? Mm-hmm. What if, what if? In spite of all the models, all of the statistics, all of the numbers that they keep throwing at us. What if that advice causes the numbers to stay low? Then that means that the advice, if adhered, works. And that what they decided to do for the entire country, as well as across the globe, Mm -hmm. is exactly what we should have done. And we've never done that with any other um, uh, infectious disease. We don't do it with influenza. We don't do it, uh, you know, with anything else. And we should. I've, I've advocated this for over 40 years. When the influenza starts its global travel, shut the airlines down for two weeks. Two weeks. And then start again. Keep people from moving from country to country. You'll stop the spread. It'll die out. And you're, it's done. And you're only going to lose two weeks of revenue. So why is yeah. that so hard to do? And yet we're doing that now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it now. Um, and, um, you know, the, the reaction started early. Yeah. Which, in the long run, is probably, is probably a good thing that, you know, they did start early. Mm-hmm. But sure. they, they have... Um, it, it all I guess I guess it all comes down to with regard to this it all comes down to with a practice that you know we subscribe to in my own household which is keep your germs at home <laughs> exactly. exactly you know I mean I, I can remember you know you know being you know going to work and you know the person you know sitting whatever you know or coming into my office or you know just I was meeting with whatever, you know, coughing and sneezing and whatever. And I was like, yeah, keep your germs at home. Mm-hmm. I don't want them. Um, well, I remember. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. So, and the problem is, is that one, employers have seldom had that attitude. Really. They, you know, at least it's not the ones I've ever worked for. Yeah. Um, you know, employers are like, you know, you be here unless you're dead. Yeah. Um, Bring a note and, from uh, your mortician. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that doesn't, but you know, if you're, if you're, if you're miserable, if you're achy, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, you're, you're simply, you're simply not performing well. Yeah. You know, and you know, if, if, you, if you're performing at less than half speed, it, why, why, why would your, why would your boss even want you there, you know? instead of taking a, a, a couple sick days. Um, 
earlier in March, I, uh, you know, I came down with a cold. And it was sick. I knew it was a cold. Didn't have a fever. It was coughing. Had some sneezing going on. You know, I, I felt like someone beat me with a big stick. <laughs> and, you know, I just, it was like, you know, I, I can't concentrate. You know, my, my head feels like it's, you know, filled with cotton wool. I just can't concentrate. So I notified my clients and said, look, I've, I've got a cold. I'm not feeling well. You're not going to hear from me for a few days. Mm-hmm. And all of them were like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, it was, it's an understanding attitude that I think we're going to, we're going to come out of, out of this, you know, when we come out on the other end, it's, it's an attitude that it's like, yeah, if you're not feeling well, stay at home, rest, recuperate, then come back, you know, you know, when, when you're no longer, you know, spreading your germs. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's something that we need to uh, we need to do uh, from this point forward, no matter how we're feeling and no matter what's going on globally. Um, and, and, and I guess maybe part of it has to do with uh, the reason why we haven't done it is because of the the pervasive work ethic philosophy that has permeated the American uh, working culture. You know. That's a good, yeah, that's, 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 that's a, that's a really huge influence. Um, company that I worked for, that's past tense, by the way, mm-hmm. um, company that I worked for had a written policy that if you missed more than four days of work out sick, your employment was terminated. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm curious. It's, it's that kind of attitude that makes people think. You know, okay, I'm not on my deathbed. I have to go to work. Yeah, yeah. I still remember uh, one day I was feeling awful. I mean, and I would bicycle to work then. Uh, and this was in my 20s. And I was probably five, six miles from uh, the station. And we actually worked at the transmitter site. And um, I called the, the supervisor and I said, look, I'm just, I'm dying. I, I, I got to stay home. And he said, no, you got to come in because I need relief. You know, and so forth. And we worked eight-hour shifts back then. And so I got on my bicycle, and I rode about halfway there. Now, when we were where I was working, the 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 space between my home and the transmitter site was a series of farm fields, and the blocks were one mile long and wide. Well, halfway down one of the blocks, I pulled the bicycle over, put the kickstand down, and I kid you not, I laid down in the dirt. I just couldn't go any further and until I was able to get enough strength up to get back on the bike and continue on. Now, the flip side of that is when other people couldn't get into work because of the flooded roads. And again, I'm bicycling, so I'm there. They would call and say, I can't make it in. I ended up working a 24 hour shift. You know, (laughs) <laughs> so I've been on both sides of that equation. Uh, and I remember when I was calling uh, to get somebody to come in to relieve me after uh, 16 hours. Uh, I can't get in. I can't get in. I says, find a way to get here. I'm here and I'm on a bicycle. Um, so, yeah, that that philosophy I'm hoping th- will change because of this. And I think that uh, that's one of the the new ways of looking at your employees 
are not your money makers. Your employees are human beings. And, Absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping that, that that is something that is going to uh, it is going to change. One of the things that we're going to do right now, uh, if you don't mind, Holly, we're going to take a quick little break. And we're going to come back to continue and uh, maybe even wrap up our conversation here uh, talking about possibilities. And, uh, you know, I, I still am a firm believer in just that possibilities that uh, anything is possible. My goodness, I set aside all the criticisms of us landing a man on the moon. We did that and we did it in 10 years. And uh, that was a remarkable feat. And I have to say also, Holly, it was the last time, maybe with this exception that we're in right now, it was the last time that the entire globe was focused on something of a positive creative nature and then we'll talk about maybe we'll talk a little bit about that when we get back here on tell me your story new paradigms for a new world i'm richard dugan along with holly bargo and we'll be right back Holly Bargo is my guest. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, the website for the works, her writings. Uh, if you'd like to pick up a copy, uh, is uh, henhousepublishing.com. And Holly Bargo, I thank you so much for staying with us. Let's talk just briefly before we have to say goodbye for this particular program. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, a national, if not global, unifying event that uh, maybe aside, I mean, this virus certainly is unifying because they are using the phrase that we're, we're, uh, uh, we're together alone or alone together or something like that, you know, which is a cute little phrase, but it doesn't uh, speak of a lot of positivity, but yet people are, they're creating some amazing stuff online, which is really kind of cool. And they're finding ways of uh, being of service to one another. And it's making them a few dollars here and there. Um, talk to us a little bit about your perspective on that. I, I think, you know, it's, you know, humans, humans are in, what's the word I'm looking for? Humans are inventive. Humanity is inventive as a whole. Um, you know, we, we, we're wired, you know, it's like if something is, blocks us, okay, how can we get around it? You know, what, 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 what is another option? Um, you know, and you see this, if, if, if you've, anyone who has raised children sees this with youngsters, especially because, you know, you'll tell, you, you, you'll tell little Johnny, no. And little Johnny will get that stubborn look on his face and he'll figure out, okay, if she won't let me do it this way, maybe I can go, you know, take, take another tactic and get what I want that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hardwired into us. Um, I think it stems from, it stems from a basic selfishness that we, as we mature, build upon and, uh, you know, those who, I guess, have a conscience uh, evolve to a higher purpose, um, you know, to not just get what we want ourselves, but to help others, to help others, you know, to, to help them get what they want, to, you know, make someone else's life made perhaps a little easier. 
if it helps us in the at the same time, more power to it. You know, great. That's 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 wonderful. Um, but uh, you know, that's that that desire to get around obstacles is is hardwired into into our very into our very being because that's what humanity does. One of the things that I just wanted to address before we wrap things up here is um, making it through this process with your sanity, not just with your life, but you know, with your mental as well as physical well-being. Uh, any suggestions that you can offer to us in that regard? Absolutely. Read. <laughs> oh, well, let me ask a question then. What should we read, Holly? <laughs> well, it depends. Um, you know, I, every so often I come across a, a request, you know, uh, to recommend some books. And my first response to that is, what do you like to read? What are you looking for? Um, what, I, what, what I have to offer may not be what you want. And that's perfectly fine. Um, someone said, hey, I like mysteries and historical stuff. And I said, well... Lindsay Davis has a series of private detective novels that take place in ancient Rome. So you get your mysteries and you get your history right there. Um, and the character, the main character is really a delight. But, you know, for other things, you know, read. Whether it whether you read to learn something new, to learn how, how to do something. Um, that's the kind of reading my husband mostly does, how to do something. Um and me, I read, uh, my pleasure reading is uh, escapist stuff. It's the kind of stuff I write. So it's, it, it, it's whatever. No, no. There's, there's, there's no, there's no one true way. All roads lead to Rome, but we don't necessarily tread the same path. I want to thank you so much, Holly Bargo, for joining us here on the program. Your website, again, is henhousepublishing.com. I encourage people to go to your website to get a copy of any one of your titles, including Escape and many others. I believe I saw Hunter. Is that right? Or Hunters? Mm, I, no. saw it, I saw it on the website. Maybe it's just another book that's being published by your, that company, but uh, it's not one of yours. Needless to say, you've got lots of stuff available for folks uh, during this time, and I'm sure that uh, it'll get there in, in short order. But I thank you so much for joining us on the program. Okay, well, thank you for hosting. I appreciate it. And you stay safe, stay well, and we look forward to talking with you again, hopefully this summer uh, when we've gotten through this. That would, that, that would be great. Um, I am hosting a uh, book fair this summer, and fingers are crossed that it will continue as planned, and it would be fun to you know talk about that. Once again, Holly Borga is my uh, Bargo. Holly Bargo. I do not know where Borga, except Victor Borga. No relation whatsoever. Holly Uh. Bargo, uh, like Fargo. And we encourage folks to go to your website again. Once again, it it is henhousepublishing.com. Holly, I thank you again for joining us here on the program. Uh, It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Please uh, uh, visit her website, Holly Bargo's website, which is... Have a henhousepublishing.com. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you so much for listening to the program and uh, for joining us on the broadcast podcast. And until the next one, love to lull.